Good morning. Um, so we'll go to Ephesians, please. <clears throat> Today's message is called Mind Your Head. Couldn't help but think of Stanley last week and his story about being hit on the head with a hammer. Um, the head is pretty important. So, so um, vulnerable, if you like. A head injury is so serious. Um, so mind the head. So Ephesians 6, verse 17. And it simply says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So take the helmet of salvation. The helmet, it goes without saying, it covers and protects the head. So, so important. Um, and the helmet that Paul was referring to, he, it was the Roman helmet, which would have looked something like that, which you can get on eBay, I discovered this week, for about £100. So, uh, very distinctive. It would have had this big plume at the top, which um, would have clearly identified that soldier as a Roman soldier. So there's something in this about our identity and about protection and covering of the head. And do you know, and it's important that you do know as a Christian, that there is a battle for your mind. There's a battle for your mind. Daily, there's a battle for your devotion, for your purity and for your heart, a battle for your mind. So this also could have been called a helmet of rescue or deliverance as well. So basically the devil wants your head. This is poor Samuel. <laughs> Don't worry, he's okay. Um, it was a while ago. Uh, it's, <laughs> he doesn't like that bothered. It's an optical illusion. But um, yes, there is a battle for your mind for your devotion, your purity, and your heart. So as I began to think about the helmet of salvation, um, what I was thinking about was, and I couldn't help being drawn to David and Goliath. So if you wouldn't mind going over to 1 Samuel. Chapter 17 going to look a wee bit at David and Goliath. Now we have a picture in our wee toilet, as it's called, small toilet, bathroom, uh, downsta um, downstairs. And Ashley actually got it for us. And it's a picture of the battle um, where David came up against Goliath. And I was going to take a picture of it and show us it, but actually I realised that in the picture, Goliath doesn't have a helmet on. When in actual fact, Goliath, Goliath had a helmet of bronze on. Chapter 17. A champion named Goliath. This is verse 4. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out from the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits and a span. <clears throat> I'm not sure how big that is, but I've written in the margin of my Bible, massive. So he was massive. 
He had a bronze helmet on his head. He wore a coat of scale armor of bronze, weighing 5,000 shekels, which I'm sure is really, really heavy as well. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. He was a massive, massive enemy. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come up and line up? Why do you come up and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? Are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and let him come down to me. And then in verse 10 it says, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man, let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. So he was threatening and he was challenging. And this went on for 40 days. Verse 16, for 40 days the Philistine came forward every morning and evening and he took his stand. (coughs) David had been asked to come and to... uh, He he had been sent out to his brothers who were on the battle lines and he had heard about what was going on. And in verse 26, it says, David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Something within David was like, this is not right. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Who does he think he is? They repeated to him what they'd been saying and told him. Then down to verse 32. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. See, David could see the enemy for what it was. Your servant will go and fight him. I'll do it, David said. Saul replied, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David knows some stuff and believes some stuff. You see, David doesn't wear a helmet, but he has on his helmet of salvation, his helmet of rescue, his helmet of deliverance, which is different to the helmet that Saul had on. Or sorry, that... um, Goliath had on. David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep, I went after it. I struck it and I rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he'll rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. You see, David knew some stuff and his confidence was in God's faithfulness. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. And then Saul dressed David in his own tunic, put a coat of armour on him, a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he wasn't used to them. And he said, I can't go on these because I'm not used to them. (laughs) So he took them off. He took 
his staff in his hand, he chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with the sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. So without a helmet and with a sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. Sounds like foolishness, but David knows some stuff. He's got on his helmet of salvation. He knows who he is with God, and he knows who God is. He knows his identity. David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. The name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel. That's our God. That's our God. He knew the authority in the name of the Lord Almighty, and we have the authority to use that name also. So he knew, and part of his helmet of salvation was knowing his authority, knowing his authority, knowing some stuff, knowing some truth. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, David said. I'll strike you down and I'll cut off your head. This very day I'll give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered there will know it's not by sword or spear the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. As the Philistines moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly towards the battle line. He ran quickly towards the battle line. He was fearless, fearless in the face of this massive enemy because he knows, he knows that God is with him. If you know and understand God is with you and in you, then you can face the enemy. David knew that there was more, even though he hadn't a visible helmet on him, he knew that there was more to this situation than what the eye could see. You see, the helmet of salvation gives us a great confidence that we can face the enemy. We can face him. We don't have to shrink back. About 15 years ago, there was kind of a, um, a bit of talk in my family about my auntie. Um, didn't know what's got into her. <laughs> She's uh, um, she found her voice. Uh, she was saying things. She was doing things. And um, there was a bit of a stir within my family. So I thought I'm going to contact her and see what's going on. So I contacted her and um, I wanted to know what had been happening. She'd gone on a course at the Bible College. And here's what's happened to her. She found out who she is in Christ and it totally transformed her. Totally transformed her from a quiet woman who was in the background um, to a, a warrior for Jesus. And you know, as she realized who she was in Christ, it gave her great confidence and she began, God began to open doors for her to serve him. So I was like, sign me up. So I went and did the course as well. I have to say that when I first became a Christian and my early years of, of walking with God, I was very, I felt very inferior. Um, and so this was a real journey for me as well, finding out some truth. 
like David, getting to know some stuff in my heart, not just in my head, but to really know some stuff about who I am. And so that was transformative for me as well and a process. Because if you feel inferior, then you will hide away and you will be quiet and you will, um, it'll affect your life. If you, what you believe affects your life, what you know will show in your life, what you know your truth will show. So David knew and believed some things and he faced a massive giant. And I just want you to remind you, I will remind you again and again, that there is a battle for your mind, for your devotion, for your purity and for your heart. And it's a daily battle and you need to know about it and you need to know how to fight. You, each one of you and me, we all have beliefs and thoughts about ourselves. In the counseling world, we call them core beliefs. Just beliefs about ourselves, about um, other people, about the world, about God. And these beliefs are just at the core of ourselves and they're being formed from a child. We're beginning to have these beliefs. Um, and, you know, we have beliefs as well of God's character, beliefs about prayer. And it shows, your beliefs will show. So what you know in your heart, what you know will show in your life. You have beliefs about church, whether you're aware of them or not. You have beliefs about people. You have beliefs about worship. You have beliefs about prayer. And you mightn't be aware of them. Because our lives speak and our actions will show what we believe. We have beliefs about our God as our Father. We have beliefs about the Holy Spirit. So what you know to be true, what you believe and know will show in your life. But the problem is our beliefs get distorted and are very often distorted because we live in a fallen world, because bad stuff happens and maybe a disappointment comes in. Maybe God doesn't answer a prayer in the way that you thought or there's a delay. Maybe there's a misunderstanding. Maybe you're hurt by someone or some people or the church. Maybe there's a feeling of a feeling of being alone. Maybe there's a storm, but things can happen and all those things can affect what we believe, what we believe about God, what we believe about ourselves, what we believe about the spiritual disciplines, even about prayer, etc., etc. And as I said, there is that battle there and the enemy will capitalize on any distortions in our beliefs. The mind is something so, so important and so, so precious. Rick Warren, who has some brilliant teaching on the mind, he says that we all have mental health problem and it's sin. <laughs> sin and the world, culture, how it affects our mind as well, and the flesh and the devil, the world, the flesh and the devil. I want to just quote Dallas Willard, one of my favorite um, writers. He says, the ultimate freedom that we have as human beings is the power to select what we allow our minds to dwell on. You see, it's in our thoughts that the first movements towards the renovation of the heart occurs. 
The thoughts are the place where we can and must begin to change. The thoughts are the place where we can and must begin to change. No wonder. No wonder there's a battle for our minds because that's how we change. Romans chapter 12, and you're bound to know this one. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed. And how, how do we become transformed? It starts in our mind, in the renewing of our mind. And I love the fact that, that God is way ahead of counselling and psychology because... In 1890, it was proposed that by counts or by neuroscientists, um, it was proposed that the brain can change. The brain is neuroplastic, and this theory was rejected. It's not true. <laughs> and then in the 70s, they discovered it was true. The brain is neuroplastic. God was right. <laughs> we can be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Our minds can be renewed and changed. And it's the key to freedom. It's the key to renovation of our heart, to change. And I just want to draw our um, attention to some responsibilities that we have with our mind, how we look after it. We have a responsibility to protect our mind and to feed our minds. Amongst other things, there's so much actually about the mind in the Bible. Um, so I had to kind of just be faithful to what I felt God was, was wanting me to bring this morning. So we have responsibilities with our mind. And we have a responsibility to protect your mind. And this verse is, I have to say, this verse changed my life changed my life because it changed the way I thought because I used to be quite depressed a lot and I read a book and really the book drew our attention it was all about this verse the book was called loving God with all your mind and it was all about this verse and thinking about what you're thinking about and thinking about truth and what I'd like to say to you this morning is don't believe every single thought that you think. Don't believe every single thought that you think. Yes. Whatever is true, so Philippians 4, verse 8. Here's what we're to think about. And these are the thoughts that will protect our mind. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Think about such things. And then Paul goes on to say, whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. So, in other words, learn some things so that you know them, so that you know them, so that you know truth, and then put them into practice. Such a powerful verse. Don't believe every single thought that you think. And we're told to take every thought captive. And the Freedom in Christ course goes into more of that. 
in great detail actually. But we're told as well to cast down imaginations and every high thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Casting down imaginations and every high thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. That's in Corinthians. I'm not, I haven't just written down exactly where that, that is, but we'll find out. Um, so what does that mean, casting down imaginations? The mind has a great potential for imaginations. In fact, psychologists have identified 13 main thinking distortions that are common to us as humans. We're all subject to them from time to time. For example, thinking with a negative filter, always seeing the negative in things. Mind reading, so thinking that you know what another person is thinking. Um, catastrophizing, thinking about the worst possible thing that could happen. Um, and that's just some of them. There's, you know, there's about 13 main thinking distortions. And I work a lot with people's thoughts because your thoughts are so, so important. Our thoughts produce our feelings and our behaviours. So they're key. They're key, as we said earlier, to transformation. So what I, what I do quite simply is teach people to think about what they're thinking about. Is that true? Is there another way to look at that? Back to Philippians 4, 8. Is that true? Is it right? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Is it admirable? Is it excellent? Is it trustworthy? What way are you thinking? What way are you thinking? It's a daily battle for your mind. So just to encourage you to protect your mind. Protect your mind. That helmet of salvation. Our minds are not perfect. They're not perfect, but yet they're our greatest asset. They're such a gift as well. You know, I, my kids, whenever they, they do well at school, I would say to them, you know, your mind is such a gift. Just give it, give it to God. Allow God to use it. Um, because with, a great, you know, with that gift comes a great responsibility. And we have a responsibility to use our mind and to give it to him. Sin starts in the mind. So the world, as in culture, the flesh and the devil, can all affect our mind. In fact, that's where they affect our mind. It's because Satan can't force us to do stuff. He can't. If we're, if we're children of God, he can't force us to, to do wrong things. But he can make suggestions. He can sow seeds. He can plant a little lie. He's the father of lies. A suspicion. Did God really say that? Is God really with you? Does God really love you? He can make little suggestions and plant little things. And this is why it's important to really protect your mind and think about what is true. Think about what you're thinking about. Slow it down and really press pause. Slow it down. Give yourself time to think about your thoughts, to think about what you do and what you say, because Satan cannot make you do stuff. I just want to read a wee quote from Karl Martin. He says, Every single time your identity is threatened, every time you face temptation, it's a huge opportunity for breakthrough of the kingdom of God. 
Every single time you feel tempted to give in to one of these addictions, it's a huge opportunity for breakthrough in the kingdom. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Stop, press pause, resist him. Is that true? He can't make you do stuff. Resist him and he will flee from you. That you might walk in righteousness, truth and power. Every choice that you make is important. Throughout your day, you're making so many choices. Again, Dallas Willard, he says, choice is the place where um, sin surfaces or dwells. Choice is so, so important. Press, pause, slow down, think about what you're thinking about, and then you make your choice. I am making this choice in this moment. I am making this choice. And allow the Holy Spirit to help you to make the right choices. You see, our minds are so funny. I'm so forgetful. I have to write so much down, but I believe like we're all forgetful. And we need to keep reminding ourselves of things. I've been reading Deuteronomy in the reading plan and Moses is reminding the people of God. He's reminding the children of the children of God. Um, he says, um, remember, remember, remember. Remind yourselves, don't forget. Know, remember and understand. Those words just come up again and again. Know, remember, understand. So what can you do to help yourself to remember things? Write them down. That's what really, really helps. Um, I was looking through an old, this is an old journal of my own. It was quite funny. Because you'd realise how forgetful I am when you go through my journal. It says, Lord, please Remind me to totally depend on you today. Lord, please help me to remember to slow down enough to make good choices. Lord, please help me to remember what you said. A person had shared a a dream with me. Um, But you even forget things like that. Lord, please help me to remember. Remind yourself though as well. Lord, help me to remember that I need you. Help me to remember I've no power of myself. Help me with my mornings as I'm so exhausted. (laughs) Um, Help me to do the right thing. Help me to make right choices. Help me to make time. Because we forget that actually we need him for everything. So just to encourage you to remind yourself of things. Your mind is such a great asset. So I'm talking about protecting your mind. Protecting your mind. Do you know that what you eat affects your mind? <laughs> yeah? I, sorry, Aaron, I'm not meant to look at you, but you're looking straight at me. <laughs> you do need to cut down on sugar. Um, <laughs> me as well, okay. <laughs> what you eat affects your mind. Um, this is actually something that God has been challenging me on as well and there is a thing called the gut brain axis so we do have responsibility to look after our minds stress affects our minds as well hormones as well who's ever been hangry yeah i've witnessed it (laughs) (laughs) not david (laughs) but i have witnessed it he's witnessed it too (laughs) 
to go sit down. <laughs> um, yeah. So hormones do affect your mind. Um, I know that as well. Um, stress hormones too do affect your mind. And how much more when you're really stressed out do you need to slow down and breathe and think? Because actually your cortisol and your adrenaline, your stress hormones cloud your, um, your thinking capacity, your frontal lobe, so you don't think as clearly. So it's really important to slow down, to breathe and to press pause. Trauma affects your mind as well. And sometimes we need healing for traumatic stuff that's happened to us and time as well. And exercise also affects your mind. Again, it's something I feel the Lord challenging me on just to get a wee bit more active because I notice myself getting more and more forgetful. What do you expose yourself to affects your mind as well. Do you know that the optic nerve at the back of the eye is a nerve, which is a cranial nerve. It has direct entry to the brain, direct entry to the mind. What you look at is so important, so important and so powerful. It is like the window to the soul in a different way. So dangers of what we see, danger of even subliminal messages in advertising, danger of pornography. I have to say that I, I love reading and I love people's stories and I use the library, me and, my, and the kids, we use the library regularly in Tandragee. And I went to get a book and it's all about, it's about grief. And I thought this will be really, really helpful for me um, to really put myself in someone's shoes. And so I began to read it. The story was brilliant. True story of trauma and grief, this poor woman and what she'd been through. And I was about halfway through the book and I realized what was about to happen. <laughs> it was about to go pornographic. And this is, this is just a book. This is just an ordinary book. It's not rated 18. Um, and there's a library full of similar type books. And so just to, just to be really, really careful. So I really wanted to, um, to know the story and to finish the book, but I had, to, I had to leave it because you've got to be radical and that stuff does affect you, it affects your mind and it mightn't, you mightn't think that you can handle it, and it but once you see something even in your mind's eye you can't unsee it, it's seen you know and from that point on you need you need healing and washing <clears throat> and we need to protect ourselves from that and I looked around the library and I thought gosh I wonder how much pornography is in this library. And the, the librarian's sitting innocently stamping the books and um, people lifting and not realising what, what they're getting into, you know. And it's not the first time I've found a book like that either. So just be careful. Just be careful and be wise. Protect your mind. Realise what an asset it is, what a gift it is. And don't take it for granted. Don't waste it. Don't waste it. Another wee thing that I do is um, God has given us our creativity, our creative imagination. So I've told you about the danger of imaginations 
and we're to cast down imaginations. Um, but we can use and we can use our creative imagination. Um, and it's another little thing that I've been doing for a few years is um, I visualize where what I want to be like, where I want to be with God. Um, and then it helps me as I pray. So I use an acrostic. And mine, I'm not going to tell you all it is because you should come up with your own. Mine is show facing. S-H-O-W, facing. And so I visualize, Lord, what do you want me to be like? And the S is strengthened. H is hearing God. O is obsessed with Jesus. W is wise. I'll not tell you the rest, but just let God use your imagination for what he wants to do in your life and actually visualize it and then pray it. So that's a way we can use and we can consecrate our imagination and our mind to him. So I've been talking about protecting your mind. Now um, I want to talk for a few minutes about feeding your mind. Stockpile your mind with God's truth. And that will equip you to know what is a lie, what is truth. Think about what is true, it says. Think about what is true. Stockpile your mind with God's truth. Remember what Moses said to the children of Israel. Know, remember, understand. Find it out. Search out truth. How do you do that? You spend time with God. You get into the word. And when you get to know him, you know his character. Back to David and Goliath. David knew. God's helped me before. He's been faithful to me before. He's helped me with the bear and the lion. So I know that he, he's going to help me to help me with Goliath. I know his character. I know, he doesn't, I know he doesn't let me down. So get to know his character. Meditate on his names. And study who you are in Christ. Study who you are in Christ. That's again what we do. That's what I was saying. And that's what we do in Freedom in Christ. Um, I've just printed out a list of verses um, which come actually from the Freedom in Christ course from Neil Anderson uh, who you are in Christ <clears throat> so if you want to take one of those home and just pick one of them a day and meditate on it think about it remind yourself meditate on his names and meditate on who you are in Christ that's putting on the helmet of salvation this is a picture of a wee bird who's been in an oil slick and it's really relevant. I remember this from a teaching of David Legs years and years ago. And he talks about whenever we get saved, immediately we are justified and we are pure in God's sight. But if we've been messing around in the world for a while, then it has its effect. It's like oil in our feathers. And it takes time and process for our minds to recover from that. Like a bird that's rescued from an oil slick, we need to be washed with the water of the word. I love in John 17, 17, it says, um, sanctify, Jesus is praying for us. And he said, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. So being sanctified means being made holy, being made cleaner and cleaner and purer. 
So Jesus is saying, clean them up, clean that oil out of their feathers by your truth, because that's how he washes us. That's how we get rid of that oil, by your truth. And it does take a bit of a process and it does take time. And I know whenever I got saved, um, it took a while for some memories and traumatic memories even to be healed. And even in my dreams, I was having dreams and then I'd feel, feel horrible in the dream after I woke up. So, but the truth is that there's no condemnation and that you are pure. But the enemy wants to, he wants you to, to feel dirty and feel shame, but you're not, you're pure in his sight, but keep being washed by the water of the word and being cleansed by the truth. His word is truth. So you may well have stuff from the past. You might have traumatic memories that need healed and, and time, and you might even have regrets that need to be washed away from you. And just allow him to do that. And I was just thinking about David as well. Um, Psalm 51, verse 7. I'll just maybe read it. Psalm 51, verse 7. Because later on in David's life, whenever he had messed up, he needed to be cleansed again. But he knows that God cleans. And he does. And he's faithful to keep cleansing you. Verse 7, it says, this is after David had sinned. Well, verse 2, wash away all my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. It's his heart's cry. God hears that cry. And then verse 7, it says, cleanse me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Blot out all my iniquity, Lord. Create in me a pure heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. When you cry out for that cleansing, he is faithful to do it. But just get yourself, get that word into you. Make those choices. If you have a choice and you're in your car, put on a podcast, put on an audiobook. You have a choice what you want to read, get into the word. Bring your Bible with you. Bring a wee postcard with you or a wee notebook with scripture on it. Get, bring some post-its in your pocket. Whenever I, I know I've said to you before, but whenever I was at university, I remember having my, my wall covered in postcards with verses on. And I was in a bunk bed and I even had, I had them all on the um, bottom of the top bunk so that I could lie in bed and look at them. I had them stuck to my lampshade as well. It wasn't very tidy room. <laughs> but, um, so just bring that stuff with you and bring a notebook with you and take opportunity, choices and opportunities and this great responsibility that we have to feed our mind. It's because what you know, your life will show. So get to know the stuff for yourself. Get to know it for yourself. Rick Warren says, whatever has your mind has you. It's a massive statement. Whatever has your mind has you. That's how important this battle is. That's why addiction is a real sphere of spiritual warfare. And, and we see it in links. And this is why we pray for our clients. This is why we set aside an hour every week. And we say, Lord, we need you. We need to take more ground for people. We need protection. 
and we need your power in that counselling room. But we notice very much that um, we notice opposition whenever we move in to help people get freedom, with, especially with addiction and with eating disorders. Um, so whatever has your mind has you. But every chain is breakable. We sang it earlier. Do you know it? Do you believe it? Every chain is breakable. There is hope for everyone. And if you are struggling with an addiction or an addictive behavioral pattern, then reach out and get help because every chain is breakable. I struggled with addictive, destructive patterns in my life, mostly to do with food actually. And it took a long process of healing. Um, and I just want to say with authority that Jesus sets free. Jesus sets free. And I know, I know that if you know the authority in the name of Jesus and you can come against that enemy in the name of the Lord God Almighty, just like David did, but you just need to know some stuff and you need to know who you are. You need to know your authority. You need to know who your God is as well because he is massive and he's glorious and he is powerful and he's victorious and he's on your side and he wants you to be free. How dare that uncircumcised Philistine take ground against the, the armies of the living God? How dare that enemy bind you how dare he tie you up in chains and addictive behaviours? How dare he? Let's get defiant and let's take back some ground. How dare he lie to you about how much your God loves you? About what a good father he is. How dare he lie to you? Don't believe him. You break his lies with truth and you get to know some stuff. How dare he tell you that God doesn't hear your prayers? just because you've been praying for someone for years and you haven't seen change. God hears your prayer and he hears your cries. How dare he tell you that you're alone? Because God said he will never leave you or forsake you. He is not gonna leave you. He is not gonna leave you. How dare he tell you that you're dirty, you're filthy? Because Jesus said you are pure and his blood makes you pure clean and holy in his sight and acceptable and you can draw near to that throne of grace you can you can draw near don't stay away and run to him how dare he tell you you've sinned once too often because jesus says that god says that nothing nothing can separate you from his love he loves you come back home come to him he loves you you need to know some stuff do you know there is resurrection power within you? How dare he say, how dare he say that you're worthless, that you're just a, just a woman, just a boy, just a child, just a teacher, just a whatever. How dare he say that? You're a child of God. You have authority. You have authority. And you have a right to use the name of Jesus because you're his child. So let's fight. It's time to slay some giants.
as we get ready to close. I'm going to go back to 1 Samuel briefly. Where have you allowed the enemy to take ground? It's time to stand up and to say enough. Yes, First Samuel 17 verse 26. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? How dare he? How dare he? Allow the Holy Spirit to show you what it is in you. What it is in you you just need to get raging about and say no enough enough where is it that you need to get a bit more freedom David wasn't put off God's assignment by other people's opinions you know they scoffed at him they said that he was conceited and his heart was wicked his own brothers scoffed and laughed at him. Don't you be put off God's assignment by other people's opinions. Yeah. Saul said, you can't go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man. Don't be put off by others' lack of faith. Other people might not see, but God will show you. And if you know he is leading you, then you go. And you do what he's calling you to do. David knew that God was leading. So he didn't shrink back. In fact, he quickly ran towards the battle line. And David wasn't deterred by his own weakness. And he wasn't put off by the power of the enemy. Because he could see and he knew the immensity of his God. And he had total confidence. He knows God is faithful. He's done it before, he'll do it again. Our God is faithful. His confidence was in God's faithfulness. Let's be confident in God's faithfulness. And let's, let's do battle. Let's come against the enemy in the name of the Lord God Almighty. Lord, I just want to thank you for how mighty you are. <laughs> Thank you for the power in your name, Lord. Thank you for your people, Lord. Thank you, God, for the precious gift of their minds, Lord. Their minds. <laughs> and Lord, I pray that you would help us to love you with all of our mind, Lord. Help us to protect our mind. Father, give us wisdom to know, Lord, the, the schemes of the enemy and how he wants to take us down. And help us, Lord, to stand strong and to be courageous and to fight and to say no. Fill us with your spirit, Lord. Help us to wear the helmet of salvation, to stand strong. And to be mighty warriors for you, Lord. Just use us for your glory, Lord. Help us to do serious damage to the enemy, Lord. To take Goliath down. Thank you for your goodness and your love, Lord. The truth of who you are, who we are in you. Lord, make it real to us, Lord. 
Help us to take truth deep within our hearts, Lord, so that we know that we know that we know that you're with us, Lord, that we know who we are, and we can step forward into what you have for us. In Jesus' name.